one ticket for And Why Not, please. and the nerds who haunted themselves. I'm Stuart Moraine and we're back for a new series of chats about movies that we love. Uh, each episode I'm joined by a guest who has picked a film that they love and we talk about it, what it means to them and why. Sort of, anyway. For this episode I was joined by the mighty Andy CT uh, to talk about uh, A Town Called Panic. Um, this one, uh, much like the film itself, goes off in all crazy directions. Uh, we even take in a little chat on Sleepaway Camp the uh, 80s classic. Ordinarily, I'd put film clips and the trailer in, but as this film is in a foreign language, it's not really going to serve any purpose putting those in. So, uh, yeah, this one's going to be just me and Andy talking about the film. I hope you enjoy it. And if you do enjoy it, don't forget to keep the film chat going on the comments wherever you see this episode posted. Uh, Thanks in advance for listening, and without further ado, I will roll the episode. Hello Andy, how are you? I am great, thanks. How you been? Um, I've been good, thank you. Yourself, how's, how's things ticking over? Yeah, you know, it feels like I haven't really left the house very much in the last couple of years, but you know, don't know what could have caused that. But apart from that, really good, really good. <laughs> been around, moved a couple, of, moved the house a couple of times since we last saw each other in person, but yeah, doing all right, doing all right, keeping busy. I mean, I'm slightly subconscious of the fact that you've moved as far away from me as possible since the last time we met. I'm not just taking make, it personally. Just makes it more of an event when you come to visit. <laughs> um, yeah. You're like, you're like, we're here, but I don't think it's far enough. Let's move again. <laughs> yeah, let's move all the way to Scotland. That'll be great. Yeah, but, but uh, it's nice to have an excuse to catch up with, um, you know, cons not quite back to what they once were yet. We'll get there. But uh, yeah, yeah just have an excuse to catch up and talk movies. Yes, that's it. Well, yeah. <laughs> It's, there's always movie talk to go through. Exactly. I mean, it depends how far off topic you want to veer, but like, bearing in oh. mind, I mostly know you from comic cons. I should really get your opinions on the last two and a half years of comic book movies quickly. <laughs> Don't worry about tangents. This whole thing is a bit like any film conversation where you start on one film and we end up talking about Avengers Assemble or something. Perfect. So, yeah, th- there will be tangents. No worries about that at all. Um, but yeah, the, the film we're aiming to talk about is the 2009 film A Town Called Panic, or a ta- yeah, A Town Called Panic, um, which was, right, and I apologise now, I'm going to murder some surnames, uh, written by Stephen Aubert, uh, Guillaume Melandrin, Vincent Pitar and Vincent Tavia, uh, directed by Stephen Aubert and Vincent Pitar, starring Stephen Aubert as cowboy, Bruce Ellison as Indian, Vincent Patara's horse and Jean Belibar as a Madame Longry. Ah. That Jean shouldn't have been that because <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm worried that I'm taking a French name and just putting English on it. <laughs> um, anyway, it was released in cinemas in the US in festivals and on limited release around the country from the 25th of September 2009. And we got it over here in 2010 on the 8th of October. It grossed 
dollars worldwide on an unknown budget. Uh, that's taken from IMDb. And the American film critic Roger Ebert gave it three, three and a half stars out of four, saying, I enjoyed this film so much. I'm sorry to report it was finally too much for, uh, for muchness. Uh, you can uh, you can only eat so much cake, but I don't think that's a problem. Like all animated family films, this one will find a long life uh, and its greatest popularity on video. Because the plot isn't just one uh, doggone thing after another, without the slightest logic, there's no need to watch it all the way through in one, at one sitting. If you watch it a chapter or two at a time, it should hold up nicely. Which is probably fair. I mean, I enjoyed watching it in one go, but it, it is a lot in one go sometimes. So. <laughs> yeah. I find that um, you're right. I think old old Rodri knows his stuff. Um, like I find towards the back end of it, if I watched it from the start, then I'm not quite as focused on that. And I don't think it's because the, the latter part of the film is of lower quality. I just think you can get to a point where you're a little exhausted because it goes at such a pace for the rest of the time. Um that it's hard to maintain that level of focus, but um, I guess we'll well, get I mean, into individual. The, the film is insane, isn't it? It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like they, they, they want to build a barbecue, which ends them needing to rebuild a house, which then gets their walls stolen, which ends them going into an undersea. Then <laughs> they meet some, peng- some scientists that are really good at fighting in a robot penguin, and then... <laughs> And Horse just wants to learn piano. <laughs> yeah, he wants to learn piano, but keeps being late for his lessons. And then it's his birthday party that they're having <laughs> under the sea. Um, it's, yeah, it's it's a wild, wild experience. But um, fantastic. And I, I don't know where, where you first encountered this, but my first understanding was I just heard that there was this film made by the same people that, were behind the animation for the Cravendale, the milk adverts at the time. It's literally exactly the same. Yeah. But, um, but it, it was like a cowboy and a cow in that. I'm not sure if Indian was was in as it was in the adverts. I remember there's like a bull and and there's like a cowboy in those in those yeah. adverts. And I just saw this clip of it and ended up um, really really wanting to seek it out. Yeah, because I think my first thought was they made a film with the Cravendale adverts. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, we, we first watched it in a really weird um, scenario, and it's going to start with some tragedy. Um, trigger warning, everyone. Um, so my uh, now wife at the time, just girlfriend, she um, her her family had a had a dog, and he he was he was run over really sadly. Like he was out on a walk with his dad. He was a terrible like he was a terribly behaved dog. He used to run away all the time, and in one of the occasions, he'd run away from my dad and was not having really poor recall he wasn't coming back he ran into the road he got hit by a car and he had died and it was really really sad and Karen had actually said um it threw floods of tears and she laughs about it now so she won't mind me sharing this but at the time she said through floods of tears several hours after hearing this news um, that she wasn't sure that she was ever going to get over this and she had been inconsolable for like a day and a half uh, and it had been like, okay, come on, let's. What can I, what can I do to cheer up? Let me put some. Do you want something on that we can just have on in the background? Maybe something funny or something like that. Because obviously, like, there isn't anything that can be done. There's nothing you can do to fix it. You just have to wait until you feel slightly better. So we put something on to try and take her mind off after a say it was a day and a half, possibly even two days. 
um, and we sat down and put this movie on and she'll retell it to this day that at the time she thought I am not going to like this movie um, what what a stupid idea um, to this day it remains probably one of her favorite movies it was what cheered her up from that in, incredibly sad time and um, she loves it and we'll still quote it to each other um you know or if we ever particularly if we ever messed up the online shopping order which is a fact of life now and we end up with sank on million of something um you know cartons of oat milk rather than bricks but um when we've over over <laughs> ever over ordered anything it will definitely get quoted <laughs> so how about you when did you finally get around to seeing it i saw it on I remember Mark Mode reviewing it on the radio, but obviously I, I just my eldest was only one or two at the time it came out. Mm-hmm. He would have been one. So going to the cinema, especially to watch a weird little French Belgian film <laughs> uh, with little toys, what probably wasn't high on the agenda. Plus, I don't think it actually showed anywhere around here. Yeah, I didn't um, see it on the cinema. I had to wait until I could pick it up. Um, I definitely have a, I've definitely had a physical copy of it at some point. There's probably one. Yeah, around. I watched I it. Have on, to wait and get it. I think it was on film four. I ended up watching it, and I watched it. And my eldest then was sort of two, possibly three-ish, and he sat watching it with me, just peeing himself laughing. Because he's kind of like initially, because where it's a bit slower, it's like, what is this? This is weird. But I'll watch it because Dad's watching it, and it's toys, and I like toys. But then once it starts to go mental and they start screaming at each other and they're jumping around and it just, he loved that stuff. So he just sat there peeing himself laughing. I was watching it again ahead of this and I was like, I'm watching that film that you watched when you were a toddler and you laughed your ass off at. And he was like, oh, okay. And he sort of looked at it. He was like, this is stupid. <laughs> I was like, yeah, all right. You're nearly 13 now, aren't you? Yeah. He'll, he'll come back round. He'll learn to appreciate it again. Um, which which version of things I'd I'd only ever thought there was only a French language version for years. So we've only ever seen it in French with subtitles. But then years later, it was on it was on TV one one day. I think it was possibly just regular Channel Four um, at the time. It was on TV, and I flicked was flicking through the channels and it was on. And they had. They, they, there is an English dubbed version because they were speaking English on it. And um, I think it's Janine. So Stephen, the farmer, it's his wife. And she had a brummy accent. And I was like, this is hilarious. But I always go back to the French version whenever I watch it. Yeah, because I don't remember there being subtitles when I watched it on Film 4. But I also don't remember it being in English. So I, th- I mean, I largely watched it as gibberish with some words I recognised. So I wasn't actually conscious of having read subtitles. Um, so I honestly can't remember. It's one of those things that it's possibly memory playing tricks on me kind of thing. But I'd certainly look to see if there was an English dub because I would have been curious to see it. Because I know that the because the either films either based on spun off from the TV series or the TV series came after. And I know that that showed on Nickelodeon. So there was an American dub of it. Yeah, I've never been able to find, apart from a couple of clips on YouTube, any of the full, any of those full episodes. I even like scoured eBay to see if I could find it because I would happily pick up that series and watch. Apparently it did, apparently it was quite popular, it was well received. Yeah, there's a Blu-ray collection of like the Christmas special and 
a couple of other I think they're shorts rather than full but that was really expensive to get yeah so I was like oh wait so I yeah I because this is one of those films I thought I owned, but I couldn't find a copy anywhere, so I've real I've rebought it off of eBay. Oh, nice. So I could rewatch it in that way that I'm like, yeah, I'll pick that film. I, I know I've got that, so I can rewatch that easily. No, can't find I, it. I, turns out I don't. Turns out, you know, it is you. You'll have fallen victim to like the worst curse ever of when you had physical media. You'll lend it to someone, then forget you've done it, or the death sentence to any ownership if that person then lends it to a third person. Yeah, or the it pops up on being on Netflix or something. So you're like, I don't need this disc anymore. It's only got the film on it. There's no bonus features, so get rid of that. Then you go to rewatch it on Netflix and it's gone. Oh yeah, don't get, me, don't get me started. Like I, I think in the in the cosmic order of things, the catalyst for something leaving a streaming service is me saying I'm going to watch it. Yeah, if yeah. I announce, oh, I'm going to watch this later, gone. Yeah, I had it recently with The League of Their Own. I just really wanted to watch it again. I was like, it's got to be on something because it's an old film. Yeah. I mean, that pretty much rules Netflix out because anything past uh, further back than 1995 doesn't tend to appear on Netflix. Um, but yeah, I thought it had to be somewhere. It's like, no, you have to rent it. And I was like, well, it costs the same to rent it as it does to just buy a new copy on DVD. So I just rebought it. <laughs> I'll get that and then it's mine forever. I, I fell foul of that the other week the last episode of our podcast we recorded we watched a 1986 ape horror movie called link and um couldn't find it anywhere without actually just having to rent a coffee from amazon and when i looked at it i was like oh 350 to rent five quid to own shall i just buy it digitally and then i thought no and then you know maybe for the best because uh spoilers it's not the not the greatest movie it's fun though yeah <laughs> It does baffle me in this day and age. Every shit film should be available on some streaming service or at least available to rent for a cheap, reasonably decent cheap price. Yeah, I think bad movies especially. Put them on there for like 50p or whatever. You probably have more 50p or a quid, you probably get, yeah. yeah. So many more people just try it. It's like, do I really want to pay £3.50 to rent a movie that I know I've seen and I know I like, but at the same time... It's also quite old and it's not worth £3.50. It was cheaper to rent it from a video shop in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And a, a little bit spoiled now since we moved up north from the expensive south where we used to live. I went to see, uh, I had a couple of cinema trips, now things are a bit more open. Went and saw Spider-Man um, while I was there. Treated myself, went to the IMAX and everything. Less than a tenner it was. Bloody hell. Astounded. We, we got a couple of cinemas down here that reasonably priced but you kind of have to travel to get to them so what you end up yeah. spending in petrol yeah true but thankfully it's just down the road from my house so i definitely landed on my feet with this last move nice see that's the main that's the thing you should always look into has it got a reasonably priced cinema on the doorstep yeah main things to look at how close is the cinema can i get decent broadband in here tick tick <laughs> you're all set that's it but but yeah, so I mean, you said this all became a favourite. I take you, you rented it or watched it at home. You didn't, it wasn't a cinema job for you either. No, no, I, I wouldn't have. I don't think it was on at the cinema when we, when I when I heard about it, there weren't any screenings to go to. So it literally had to be, um, I'm not sure if it was eBay or Amazon or what have you. I just got a DVD copy and then it had been one of those things that I'd probably had it on the shelf 
for weeks slash months before this uh, terrible tragedy occurred. Yeah. And there hadn't been time to watch it because we have a habit of getting quite busy and then like there's never really time to sit down especially a film that you actually want to watch we have all the time in the world to watch absolute hours of shite yeah it's because you can chuck it on and not really pay attention i'm terrible for chucking on shit i've seen loads of times or that i'm only half interested in while i'm doing drawing or something but if it's a film that i know i need to focus on it's like i definitely need to set out the time to do that and then it suddenly becomes like the impossible task yeah you'll never get it done that is why I would say over, you know, especially towards the end of last year, I went and saw, I made a point of going to see Spider-Man the day it came out because I wasn't convinced that we weren't going to be thrown into a lockdown after Christmas or that I'd get, or that we'd get COVID. And I did get COVID over Christmas. Um, Yeah, same. (laughs) It's it's what you get when you have family come to visit you, bring you the... See, I, I didn't even get to that point. It was just my youngest got it and then my eldest got it and then my wife got it and then it finally hit me, so... Copped it. Well, I hope you were all three uh, days before we were going to go and watch Spider Man. <laughs> I've heard no, your episode it was, it was on it, so I know really. you got around to it eventually. Yes, what my controversial episode of my <laughs> of uh, a, a thinking, guy who listens to me. Listen thinking to it, it was just okay. Like, Let there be carnage. <laughs> oh, that was a, I haven't seen Let There Be Carnage yet, but as a result of this and wanting to carve out time to really see films, um, I. I'm yet to see two of the films I was most excited about last year. Haven't seen The Green Knight yet. Haven't seen June yet. Wanted to see both. Not seen either. I've not seen June. I've seen The Green Knight. You need to carve out some time for The Green Knight. It is not a film to have yeah. on in the background. Exactly. And that there, therein, lies, therein lies the problem. Like while we were locked in with, with COVID, I watched The New Matrix like while I was on a run. Because thankfully we didn't feel too ill. We just weren't allowed out. Yeah. So I was like on a run on the treadmill watching the new watching the new Matrix movie. Um, but I didn't want to watch Green Knight like that. I want to sit down, you know, really, really settle in and watch it. Get it on the big TV upstairs rather than like, you know, um, you know, rather than like the one in the spare room or like laptop or whatever. But uh, just finding the time because it's not a short one, is it? It's two hours. No, and, and to be fair, you possibly want to carve out time to potentially watch it again straight away afterwards. Yeah. Just to be like, what the fuck? Okay. I'm not, I'm not going again. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's hard to it's hard to come by, but we'll get there <laughs> one day. Yeah. But yeah, it's um, like I say, it's just crazy. It's like we're doing this. I have to carve out the time to actually watch the films as well, which isn't always as easy as. But I don't like talking about a film if I haven't seen it, even if I don't yeah. like the film. It's like I at least want to be able to under- follow the conversation. Kind of yeah, thing. to really be able to catch in on it. And that's that's some of the things with with our with our podcast and we do I think it's been good because I think there are films that I wouldn't have got round to watching that we watch as a result when we're getting ready to record it. Um and you know, there's been some great movies that I wouldn't have even heard of, but ones that I really enjoy but there are sometimes sometimes you're watching was like oh that was that was hard work and you do sometimes inevitably because there's only so many hours in the day you have to do it while you're doing something else and have it on and have it on in the background like you know put it on the tv while you're doing some life admin it's like yeah well you know car insurance needs to be renewed so I'll do a compare the market (laughs) for that while I try and watch this 
while I try and watch this movie. Oh, that guy's had his head chopped off. I need to go back and see what's happened to this. <laughs> That's it. I mean, I did enjoy the opportunity to rewatch this because I haven't rewatched it since. So, yeah, it's got to be getting on 10 years since I watched it. Oh, yeah, well in, overdue then, well overdue. In in that weird way where you're like, no, I watched that recently. And it's like, no, actually. <laughs> it's uh, times further away than you think it was. But, um, Thank, thankfully, I'd watched it quite recently. I think when you were on on the socials asking what, you know, what perhaps lesser, lesser known films that people saw and really enjoyed, it didn't have quite the impact that they maybe deserved to. I think I'd watched it a couple of days before I saw your message. I was like, oh, that one's right in the chamber. Well, when you said it, I was like, there must be an obscure horror film called A Town Called Panic that I don't know about. I better just check. Oh, if I was going to do obscure, obscure horror films, and I've recorded on one of these on, on our Horror Hangout podcast already, but from uh, maybe it's not the most obscure, I would definitely have gone for something like Sleepaway Camp. Or possibly, and this is a bad movie, but Chopping Mall is another favourite of those. They all, yeah. they always come into my rotation, those two do. Well, Sleepaway Camp has got one of the best twists in a film ever. So, Yeah, I mean, that is one of those twists. Like, usually, once a film's been out a little while, I try not to delve in. You know, I, I don't care so much about, about it going, to, going into spoiler territory, because once something's old, like, it's part of... Thing that people just know this right like i wouldn't really pause talking about hey bruce willis is dead in uh in in the sixth sense everyone whoa, that's whoa, just... whoa, whoa. <laughs> i was thinking about it earlier you think for how many films we grew up with where the shorthand lexicon was that you knew the plot twists or the element plot elements of things like the godfather and that and yeah. it did not like ruin my enjoyment of actually seeing them properly for the first time as an adult yeah going I, in I knowing that there's the horse's head and yeah i knew the horse's head i knew alien in it i knew what was happening to ripley at the end of alien three um i knew about um kaiser Soze long before i ever saw the usual suspects um but yeah like with Sleepaway Camp, because it's a lesser-known horror film, I actually do tiptoe around that one. And every time I've recommended it to someone, I've, I've even said, like, if you've never heard of this film, Sleepaway Camp, before, I will tell you that there's a great bit where one of the actors has uh, has shaved his moustache off before before retakes. But rather than putting it, when they had to do some extra footage, rather than taking the time to grip back or CGing, CGIing it, on versus off like they did with superman at great expense he just sticks a cardboard one on he just he just sticks he's got like a fake mustache a really bad one that he it just is sticks, he sticks it's like a weird face. 80s equivalent of the groucho mark grease paints mustache isn't it it's it's so so good slash bad but when it comes down to the actual narrative twist of the story i actively encourage people saying right if i'm recommending this film to you and you're saying you're going to watch it don't watch any trailers do not google it don't do anything just go and watch the movie yeah it's um it's it's a bizarre film as well i'm amazed it got as many sequels as it did but i guess they were cheap and cheerful to make yeah. so and i don't dislike the sequels either particularly the first one it's not that bad i i like the bit where the girl is like well why don't you just kill me now she's like okay <laughs> and then the <laughs> i think she just drills her in a car with an actual drill <laughs> It's the way to go. 
But yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, one of the questions I was going to ask about this film, actually, but uh, now that you've said there is an English dub of it, I was going to say, do you think this film would have reached a wider audience if it had had an English dub? Because uh, it's yeah. not like it would have been complicated to put it into any language for the relevant Cause there's country. Because no, there's no lips to sync, are there, really? It's just, you've just got to say the right things at the right time to cover them. Because the problem with the subtitles sometimes is that they don't keep up with the dialogue. Yeah, because they go incredibly fast in some of those actions. And there's some shocking errors in the um, subtitles. Like the wrong word. Or something. I think there's one that's, um, who instead of who wants another drink, it's who's at another, who wants another at drink or something like that it's at instead of a i'm not sure i've noticed that even so either they've re they've re because last time i watched it i just watched it it was on um just amazon i think i bought a digital version on there because Uh, it's on the dvd they might have uh, maybe maybe they fixed it on there the last one i watched was on amazon again it's a classic cheer up movie for my wife it was she'd had to be it's a minor thing and again i imagine it was yeah it's a minor thing, and I imagine it was just trying to keep up with the thing. It's like, Jesus just, fucking Christ, slipping. Yeah, like, no, time <laughs> it, to, no time to type, to retype that. Go, go, go. It reaches a certain point where like, I'm just not even going to bother reading the subtitles anymore. I'm just going <laughs> to yeah, you can enjoy the mayhem. You can follow what's going on fairly well. But yeah, I am certain, and it, I've only seen a few minutes of this English dub. I just remember that the, the farmer's wife, Janine, she... Um, has a Brummie accent in it in in an Amazing. English dub that I've seen. So they've probably got some very cool regional accents. I couldn't tell you what anyone else sounds like on there, but um, I've never been. I've never seen it again with English dubbing. I wonder if um, I wonder how widely that version is available. I would like to see it in English just to see how much it's different because I've seen the French version. Uh, a lot of times and I love some of the turns of phrase they have in there like when they are the little I'm not sure if he's meant to be a monster or just a guy in like a whole set of scuba gear but like when those guys have been stealing their thing and they're they're holding on to the edge when the when horse says to him like you stop that I'm gonna kick your teeth in (laughs) I wonder if he he actually says that in English or whether they or whether they change it but it's it's a lot of fun I love the little bit in the film when the phone rings. It's, it's the se- rings in the sea creature house, and it's um, Madame Longry ringing. It's like, is there anybody here called Horse? And there's literally a horse in the room with them. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's because he's yet again <laughs> failing to go. For, he's failed to go to these for his piano lessons. <laughs> and that that in itself is one of my favourite. Just little. Just the physical comedy you get out of these little plastic figures as well. Like when he goes to pick up um, Les Animo from uh, from their music lessons, the fact that the farmer's um, animals all go to music lessons <laughs> is great in itself. But then the horse goes horse goes to pick them up, and uh, she goes, "Oh, let me let me hear you play." And he just like stomps on this like bang 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 bang, and it's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, you're really bad." Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just. It's just great. <laughs> I love the. Um, is it Simon? Is Simon the, is like the like the administrator of the yeah, school, I guess. Because he runs the bar, doesn't he, at the party? Yes. Um, I love that he's just got that big circular piano yeah, kind of thing. Big, he's just playing around that. That's fucking great. Yeah, he's just going around, and then like he tells those kids, like, "Don't be so rough with the vending machine. What are you doing?" <laughs> Are you going to pick your waffle up? 
<laughs> they've really got the angle of that like you know, there it, there were always not members of teaching staff at, at, a, at a school but like they, that would it has big simon has big dinner lady energy yeah yeah where you get absolute bollocking from these people who are not members of teaching staff but probably the most authoritarian figures in the entire building it was always every school had that one receptionist didn't they you had the one friendly receptionist and the one receptionist that you dreaded <laughs> in in our school it was a dinner lady who was called you know bless her i wonder if she's still around uh but her name she was very strict very uh quick to give you a telling and her name was mrs smith and you know looking like an old lady or a grandmother and being called smith the nickname yeah. wrote itself. yeah <laughs> yeah there's, there's certain people you gotta be like it's not worth going to get a job in a school or anything is it yeah but you know that's she you know, she was she was on it but yeah that's uh that's steve like that's steven but then you have all these other sort of ancillary characters as well like there's the policeman and the postman, postman that, uh, yeah. that uh out. of course you know given your job you know yeah i, I relate would, would that would that be a job that you would, would you mind that village being around i don't know i don't know how he gets that stuff in his bag but i'll take that magic pouch that he uses because he's got a whole traffic i love that it's got that wrapped up traffic sign for the policeman and it turns out it's horses present and it's his portrait that's fucking great <laughs> it's a bit hilly like, around there though yeah well that's it but i love the animation for the opening before it goes into the toys mm. that's a lovely little bit of simple animation i mean you know it looks simple and clean not that it was simple to do it's a gorgeous little bit of animation yeah, and, the, and it fits so well with like the whole aesthetic they put together, like the music, which is like a, it's like a whistling track, isn't it? That's yeah. There with you know a little bit of instruments in the background, it it fits really well with the animation and segues into the you know the the physical animation, I guess, of the of the toys really nicely. Yeah, so I love that the toys aren't all to the same scale as well. I love that it is literally whatever they found in a box. Yeah, it it is like a like a set of like yeah you say like a set of toys that that are super mismatched. So it's like uh, they picked up a random box at a car boot sale. Yeah, like a, or just like you know just a random. I I wouldn't dismiss it if you just said oh this is just one of the animators or one of the directors like or writers. This is just that toy box that from when I was a kid and I dug this out and the these are what I have that are over there and there are all these funny scales and there is no. There's none required, but there is no uh, explanation given as to why there are animals that are animals, like the like the cows, and yet there is another there is a horse that just lives in a house normally with a cowboy and Indian, and then another horse that is a that you know it's a woman because she has hair, um, and she's a school teacher, and even within the farmers' animals, there are ones like the donkey that just talk yeah it's um yeah and it doesn't need to be explained because you can immediately get on board with the fact that this world is absolutely insane and doesn't have to make sense (laughs) i mean like i say it's wonderful for that it is like i imagine have you ever seen the um did you ever watch key and peel uh not as a series but obviously their clips are fairly um 
heavily used in you know on on the internet on their own right is there a yeah there's an amazing key and peel sketch where it's like the pitch meeting for gremlins 2 that one i have seen it's fantastic (laughs) that's very much like i imagine the script meeting for this yeah we're like all right well it starts with this it's very much a yes and kind of movie isn't it yeah it's like then what well they've ordered five million bricks make it 50 yeah (laughs) There are no, there was, there was like a rule on the day that they were pitching that. And it was like, right, no, no's. So not allowed to say no to anything. And it was, yeah, that's a huge, like, yes and energy. So what they're doing, they're ordering bricks for a barbecue. What could possibly go wrong? He leaves his coffee cup on the keyboard and orders yeah, 50 million bricks. And then they just, that many bricks just come. And I think that's probably that whole section is probably my favorite part of the entire movie like when they get all those bricks and then when he tries to run like when the bricks actually come and uh he, like indians like i will sign for this it is i that ordered them and the signs his name <laughs> and then all more and more trucks come and the, the bill unfolds and it's like million brick oh no and he like tries to <laughs> the cowboy's like right i'm leaving tries to run away uh, and then you know they hide them all on the roof and they're exhausted <laughs> even though these are little plastic figures the way they manage to animate them you get that energy like you've all again we've all done that thing where you've had a sudden need to do something incredibly quickly or with incredible desperation and how much it takes out of you at the end typically it is like the tidy up your house before your mom gets home when you're a kid and that's the same energy that they have it's like we've got to find these 50 million bricks and put them somewhere and then the fact that they're then just crammed on the roof and then when the house when the house collapses and just sends everything else in the whole village up into the air very briefly before it all explodes it's great so good i love that you know they build this barbecue for horse and his first thing is that it wrecks his car. Yeah, he <laughs> smashes the engine out of his car. <laughs> and I love that it's uh, Madame Longry that fixes it just pretty yeah, much by taping the engine back in. It just literally boots it back in, boots it back in or like wears the car shell like a, you know, like a turtle shell and just walks it back over. Um, yeah, like... I'd say for anyone that hasn't seen this, because I know the movie can be a lot. If you're if you're listening and you haven't seen this, unlike the other films you mentioned, I don't think it's possible to spoil this because I don't think us describing this to you, a, I probably doesn't make that much linear sense, and b, I don't think us describing it even to the letter would be anything as effective as seeing it yourself i would always recommend people seek this movie out and watch it because if you can get past the idea that to look at it it looks like a simple like a simplified animation like you know even for, for like for physical animation it is nowhere near as sophisticated at first glance i would say as you know your Ardman studio stuff that is incredibly intricately done yeah, but it ha- it, but it isn't poorly animated. Like, even though these figures are the base things, they do more with them than just, you know, when you're a kid and you've got hold of a camcorder and you are advancing things a frame at a time. It is more, um, 
is a lot more intricate than that and it and it works really well it's really well stylized and it's just uh, an absolute delight yeah i mean to get a flavor of it i recommend going on youtube and finding some of the old cravendale adverts it's it's not that it's completely different characters because like you say it's a cow and a pirate and a cowboy and I think, is it a cowboy? It might be no, it might be a cyclist uh, and a pirate. No, you've got you've got you've got it. I obviously got cowboy in my head. You're right. It's a it's a bull, a cyclist, and a pirate. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're on YouTube, so they're worth checking out. Or you can find clips of the film there. I think you can find clips of the um, Christmas Panic and Back to School Panic. I think with the two specials. Um, because I think Ardman put those out in the States. I don't think we ever got them over here. Um, because it was Hammer and Tongs. It was a Hammer and Tongs presents with the film, wasn't it? Because Hammer and Tongs were the hot shit at the time with um, Son of Rambo and then... No, it would have been after Hitchhiker's Guide, wouldn't it? Um, I don't know what what happened to Hammer and Tongs, actually. For a while, they were sort of fingerprints on a lot of things and then yeah but perhaps they spread too quickly perhaps they're still out there doing loads of work and i just haven't checked either that they they cashed out living the high living the high life now yeah yeah i mean um hitchhikers wasn't the hit i think they possibly hoped it would be so that possibly was a blemish (laughs) in that way they were like we love you until you fail once yeah until you've done one thing that wasn't exactly and for all the things to be incredibly difficult to <laughs> to adapt, isn't it? It's almost as if like yeah, I don't know, I guess it's down to what what makes money as well. Like if you if you're trying to take on something which I would argue is one of the hardest properties to adapt. Um, it's that tricky thing, isn't it? Because it's already been nailed in book form, TV form, and on the radio. Yeah. How do you get how do you get that? And especially when you've got so many different mediums where you can you'll have this version of a character and what they what they look like and then you see a new version and because it isn't exactly what's in your head it isn't right yeah you know what i mean it, it, and then you, you have a distaste for it. i i really struggled growing up the growing up at the in the era that i did I found it very difficult when Sonic the Hedgehog had a voice all of a sudden in the game. I was like, that's not what he sounds like. <laughs> he sounds like he sounds like what I used to imagine he looked like. He sounded like reading the comics or or Steve Urkel, because that's the cartoon version I watched. Um, that's it. Like that that's that's what that's what Sonic sounds like. Or for an even more for a far more niche reference. I'm not sure I would be happy knowing what um, what Steve Priestley from movies, games, and videos actually looks like. Yeah. Um, Every so often I think of movies, games, and videos. I think of like what my Saturdays used to be. It was like Batman the Animated Series, flicking between ITV and BBC for the various different cartoons, then movies, games, and videos, then the ITV chart show, then oh. generally a repeat of Knight Rider or something in the afternoon. Yeah, Lois the and Clark in the evenings. Show. Yeah. See what Noel's up to down Crinkly Bottom. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, then a Saturday night movie. Either one of those cheapy made-for-TV ones or um, you get a big one like Patriot Games or something like that. Yeah, and it feels like it feels like it is a... it, it For all the that content there, it would feel like it's years and years worth of content, but it probably is only 
like a one two year window i just have yeah. to, i i just forget that all of these programs will have run to series so it wasn't that it's not that it's impossible they're all on at the same time it's just that one of the things would have been on for six weeks and then it would have been off again yeah uh you know apart from movies games and videos that was every week without fail obviously but yeah i i was the same i used to have swimming lessons on a saturday but when we were at home and not outside saturdays were heavily influenced by movies games and videos i think was before swimming then i'd go out and go out and go swimming for a bit do some other stuff outside then you'd be back in the evening for catchphrase um watch a bit of catchphrase and then gladiators was the biggie yeah, but we used to love a bit of the gladiators, and despite living in the Midlands at the time, I feel like I'm the only kid from Tamworth that never got to see it at the <laughs> National Indoor Arena. Everyone from my school had been. In fact, the scheme in the summer that the police used to run to keep us off the streets, you could go on a trip to watch gladiators being filmed. But on the day you went to sign up, we did not get there early enough. And I still to this day am convinced that it was because my dad didn't want to go to Gladiators. He was like, oh, no, he can't. Like, you can't get this. Like, dad, you have stitched me up on this and I'm never going to forget it. And I haven't. Gladiators is one of those things that I imagine actually being there watching it would be pretty shit. Oh, you you obviously. You're, you're not gonna, close you, enough to anything to really be able to see what's going on. It's just like tiny little figures swinging from balls on the ceiling or whatever. <laughs> you have. Um, uh, you've you've got the same energy. Obviously, you've you've had practice being an actual dad now. That was my dad's excuse, like, oh, you know, you won't be that close. And actually, you'll probably be quite bored. There'll be a long time between setting up each game. And I was like, Dad, I want a fucking massive finger thing, and I want to shout and I want to boo at Wolf. I, I um, wanted that, and I, I wanted Jet to. Yeah, you know, I want to see. Even my though I was only like twelve, to go, like, you are the love of my it. life. Yeah, I love you. <laughs> 12-year-old me would run off with Jess and we'd live happily ever after. After she got out of prison, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but 12-year-old you doesn't think about the legalities of things like that. Yeah. I mean, you, why would you need to? You wouldn't be in trouble. In the, yeah, eyes, of the, law, you'd, in the eyes of the law, you would have been the victim. <laughs> that's very true. He initiated it, officer. <laughs> A likely story. <laughs> So all the evidence would be stacked against me, but still, I've got age on my side. <laughs> Not that we condone that sort of thing, obviously. <laughs> of course. It's okay when you're p- painting yourself as the victim and that will be <laughs> no one else. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah, we got massively off on tangents. <laughs> that, that, that's okay. It's part of the... This is part of the, the magic. I think the feelings of a mid-90s Saturday are, in many cases, the same energy that you get from a film like A Town Called Panic. It's, yeah. Uh, that's, the, that's the frantic and just uncomplicated joy of a thing. If I'm going to, yeah, if, if the makers of A Town Called Panic are there, let me, let me help you with a box quote for that. I can tell you that A Town Called Panic has the unbridled joy and limitless smiles that a saturday in the uh, in the mid 90s would bring there you go put that on the so, back of your box <laughs> well is that a weird thing isn't it so when you look back on what you through memory perceive you did on a saturday as a kid so like i used to get so much shit done on a saturday now two o'clock rolls around and the day's gone yeah and that's yeah. very much what this film is because there's so many things happening in it yeah it does it, it just goes and goes and goes and like uh old roger ebert said like 
it can become overwhelming at, at, yeah. at, at times because it feels... Too much muchness, I think is yeah. a great quote for it. That should have been on the back of the box. Because it feels like it's just everything. Because like the whole bit with the barbecue and the house feels like one thing. And then you get the bit in the snow, which is such a weird, a weird kind of non sequitur that they go into this bit and they come out in the snow and they get captured in this robot. And those scientists beat absolute shit out of them. Um, and then keep them prisoner and make them like make them tea and biscuits and stuff. Um <laughs> While they while they conduct their strange experiment, which appears to be getting their penguin mecha to pick up big snowballs and then just throwing them yeah. into the other, you know, out of the snowy environment where they live. So just a big snowball falls on a deer in the middle of the forest um, <laughs> until their robot gets in a fight with a mammoth that gives <laughs> the guys the opportunity to escape. <laughs> And, love, and, then, and then there's a whole other bit under the sea to follow us. Oh, it's crazy. I say I love the bit where they think Cowboy's dead, but Indian's upset. Then he realizes he can have his gun, and then the yeah. phone rings. It's like, don't touch my gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when they're falling through that pit, it's like, oh, his guns. I love that they start playing a game because they're falling for so long. Yeah. <laughs> Those two are such great characters, the Cowboy and the Indian. Yeah, that's brilliant. When they're fighting over the shower, he just lets it all build up, then he opens the door. Yeah, with the, the Indian. Which, as a kid, you know you always wanted to do that in one of those showers. Oh, yeah, like, to be fair, a couple of periods of my life, like, I've never been able to fill a, like a, like a shower cubicle with water so I could swim in it. But I was a big fan as, as a kid of a, uh, of, of, a bath, of a bath shower. Yeah, my kids love that too. Love you go upstairs shower. and you find that they put the plug in. Yeah, you have a shower, you have a bath that is filled by the shower because then when you've got your toys in there, it's like you're playing in like a rainstorm. You can create some of those key scenes from Jurassic Park in the bath <laughs> with like a with like torrential rain. And then you go off bath showers for a bit when you know you get a bit older and showers and baths just become about washing efficiently so you can get on with stuff. But then a bath shower becomes a powerful tool again when you're introduced to hangovers. A bath shower is great when you're hangover. Just have a sort of a lie down there sort of listlessly while water falls on you. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, uh, either that or really ill, but mostly hungover. See, sadly, as evidenced by yesterday when I slipped in the shower, I'm now at that age where I'm looking at bath mats with the grips on them. Yeah, you're going to need to make sure you've got those grips there. Because I went down like a sack of shit and I pulled the curtain down with me as well. So. Oh, man. Although you can tell that you've not got, you, you you haven't reached that stage where you're properly elderly just yet. Because notice that you said that you'd fallen over. You didn't say that you'd had a fall. Once <laughs> falling over becomes described as having a fall, that's it. That, that, that's it. That's the scrap heap. I said to the wife, we need to get like one of those a grip mat i was like because you know when once you start to go there's nothing to grab onto to hold you i was like it's either that we get a railing she's like we're not that fucking old we'll look at a grip mat (laughs) (laughs) then my mother-in-law's recommending grip mats and it's like oh this is bad i've got a pensioner telling me (laughs) telling me oh you're gonna make sure having these falls isn't gonna get any easy you know it's like no shut up (laughs) it's it's just that initial shock where you're like i'm fucking going (laughs) 
Oh, it's not so much the impact or the pole falling down on me. It was the you silly twat. <laughs> I find I hurt myself more not falling at the minute. You know, like um, especially as it's been as it's winter right now. We've had a we've had a couple of sessions of it being a bit icy out here. But you ever almost slip over when you're when you walk in somewhere. I find I hurt myself more with how tense I become in avoiding the fall. It's yeah. like so like I'll I'll slip ever so slightly. And in correcting myself, my body will go, well, better try my best to just tense my muscles so hard I snap my neck. <laughs> when you end up pulling a muscle or something, isn't it? Yeah. Because you're so tense and your leg yeah. goes. <laughs> oh, and it's like, oh, I just tripped ever so slightly. If I'd have fallen, I might have grazed my knee. But now I've really hurt my back by, like, twisting to avoid falling over. The sad thing is, is in your head, you're like, yeah, I'm walking normally. This is all cool. Nobody suspects a thing. But to anybody looking on, they're like, that Berlin's walking like a twat. He'd look cooler yeah. if he just slipped. Yeah, it just looked like he slipped. Well, nothing like. <laughs> At least he'd get sympathy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but you can style it out sometimes. I've done that when you when you walk in along the street and you trip on something, and you can get away with it by pretending to have just broken into a run for a few seconds. <laughs> like, oh, just a little bit behind schedule there. This is uh, sorted it out though. I am right back on track. Thank you. That's, that's what I call the dad trot. Yeah. <laughs> Sort of walk a little bit, realise you're going faster than you intended to, sort of break into a little, a little trot and then... Do a little run. Yeah. <laughs> or, or the way that people, if they've done a cheeky, probably shouldn't have gone for it crossing the road. Yeah. They don't actually move any faster than a walk, but they just kind of bounce really high in the air while they do the motions of running <laughs> while walking across the road. It's like <laughs> either run <laughs> or walk and wave, not just like whoop, <laughs> like pantomime horse across the road. <laughs> Must also given the car look like he's a wanker for being on the road. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, if I'm ever going to do something cheeky like that, I I try to I, not in a an arrogant I'm cro- I'm crossing way, but I try to fix the gaze of the driver as I'm going across <laughs> with quite an earnest look. So if they hit me, it'll haunt them forever. <laughs> Just like look at me, look at me. Yeah, I'm looking right at you. You'll remember this. <laughs> Meanwhile, multiple vans of bricks are going past you. Yeah, exactly. That's why you've got to take your chances. You never know when you'll manage to pull out or cross the road. <laughs> All these brick vans coming past. But it's really hard. Like, this isn't a film that you could really, like... I mean, again, in our in our podcast that we do, we, we tend to go through the film sequentially. Like, in many ways, I've never been delight- as delighted for something not to be a horror film. So this one would be a real roller coaster to try and go through sequentially yeah. and, and run out because it just goes at such a pace. <laughs> well, yeah, it's very difficult to explain to somebody why they should watch it. It's not like trying to describe, like, I don't know, a big film. I feel, I feel <laughs> like if you were if you were trying to explain the plot of it to someone... It would be like when a child tries to explain to you what happened or a story to things. Oh, no, I forgot this bit. Yeah. yeah. So to understand it, you'll have to know that this that, that this thing happened. And <laughs> oh, and then this happened. And then there's a then there's a penguin mecca. And then he hasn't been to his piano lesson yet. And she phones him. Uh, yeah, it's it's wild. It's, a, it's such a crazy movie. But again, such a like, visually just comedically it's just such a charming little thing it's, it's like like you say it's the tiny little things i love when they start building the house and then they find the ping pong table so cowboy and indian are just playing ping pong while horses yeah. rebuilding it's like what are you doing 
yeah, all the way that the horse just like some of the furniture has been flattened and he just blows it back up. Like as soon as he's blow, he gets like a pipe and blows the yeah. TV back up, and then then they're sitting down on the sofa watching it. It's like no, you're not like you're supposed <laughs> to watch the off. aerial off. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you the other bit I love is when he's driving the kids home from school and they've given him the CD to play and the yeah. cows are on the one side and then as the car goes around in the background, the cows move across the other side to watch yeah. the car go back. It's just little things where the cows are just watching them in the fields and so on. It's brilliant. It's so good. And when he's like, here's your CD back. Can you bring me a copy? <laughs> yeah. And then the house collapses. They end up sleeping in the in the barn with all the animals that have like little beds in there. <laughs> And the cow, basically the cows have like a dormitory that they all sleep in. <laughs> it is toothpaste. It's just a massive tube of toothpaste next to the shower. Yeah, and then like a big like atomizer of perfume that's like his. Uh, <laughs> he just like jumps on to get his like deodorant. Yeah, what a time! So, do you sort of did this film sort of stay with you more because of the circumstances within you, you watched it or? I think I think regardless of the circumstances, I think it was fortunate that 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 really lightened the mood on what was like a very sad time. But yeah, because I think I think it, I think it would have stayed. I think it would have stayed with us anyway. Um, you know, I, I think the circumstances that came up gave us that reason and that excuse to finally get round to get yeah. round to watching it. Uh, and, and they did a good thing there, but I think whenever we got round to watching that movie, it would have instantly become one of our favourites because it's just so infectiously entertaining. It uh, is weirdly one of those films, isn't it? That you're like, I really want to watch it, but do I really fancy watching it? Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. So it's one that, like you say, you would buy and it would sit on the shelf for months. Yeah, until you've seen it for the first time. And now it was one that I could absolutely... Having now seen it, even if I wasn't in a position to, you know, be looking at it and reading the subtitles, once you know exactly what's happening, uh, and my French isn't good, I think, like, the, the tiniest amount of, of French, but it's not particularly complex in terms of its language either. So, like, if you know a little bit of French, you will understand, like, the, you'll understand some of the basic words and the basic things that are going on and once you know the story anyway you don't even need to be able to be reading along with the subtitles to enjoy it you can stick it on and just enjoy the physical comedy elements of it and you'll pick up enough of the thing to know what's going on yeah i mean like i say this said earlier the subtitles seem to struggle to keep up with the words anyway so it does reach a certain point where you're like i'm not even going to bother reading them anymore i'm yeah. just going to go with the gibberish yeah i mean it's not that. gibberish obviously it's it's another language but <laughs> yeah and it's good that you can just you can just get in there and follow along and I love some of the voice acting. I love it how the voice the horse has like a very proper like gentleman's voice. I love it that Stephen the farmer basically shouts everything. <laughs> like he never doesn't shout. When they get up in the morning, like, make my coffee. <laughs> my favorite is when it's like guess, guess when someone's knocking at his door and it's like what is it don't break my door and he comes and throws the door open because they're knocking at the door and then later when the um you know when the when the building has collapsed and there are bricks everywhere it's like there's been a terrorist attack we've got to go <laughs> i love that he just tractors through the bricks as well i love how they're all just flying out the back of the tractor yeah 
And uh, oh, what is it? There is another time when it's like, is it when they're fighting the people from under the water and like the cows? Uh, he's like catapulting the yeah. pigs or the cows pigs or the sheep, isn't it? And then the yeah. cows, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then he gets arrested and taken to prison. <laughs> I love it when he loses it with policemen at the party as well for dancing with Ginny. <laughs> oh, yeah, because he's got absolutely fucked on the beer because <laughs> he's got himself really drunk, and then the policeman is dancing with his wife because he's been playing cards and he's fallen asleep. Um, yeah, and then he gets livid. Blame Simon for not charging enough for the booze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, you should you should pay more for your drinks. That way, you wouldn't get so drunk. <laughs> yeah. uh, see now, I, I kind of want to watch the film again now. Yeah, that that's it. There's just so many little things about it, and those little throwaway lines and and comments. Even the things that are very, very benign in the voices that they do them and just the way that they are incidentally around them. It's um, it's just really it's just really entertaining. And like, you know, just little things as well, like when they make the coffee and they've just got one big coffee pot with three spouts on it. Yeah. To make all <laughs> so your coffee pot only works if all three of you are having a cup of coffee. <laughs> I love horses bed as well. Yeah. <laughs> Just a big bed that you can stand up on. <laughs> He's got a pillow that's rolling up by strings. <laughs> and they always, and you know, like this is a weird thing. Like they always get him a hat for his birthday. And he's got <laughs> hundreds of hats. <laughs> so I told you we should have got him a hat. <laughs> yeah, oh dear. Like, the very fact that it's just one that I'm having a great time laughing about just remembering yeah if if you're listening and you and you haven't seen it as i say i, I don't think it's possible to spoil this movie by talking about it no um, seek it out get and watch it um if you want to take my money saving advice if you decide to if you decide to get it digitally um for the extra quid buy it because you will want to go back and watch it again yeah yeah well yeah anytime it's for an extra quid you might as well just yeah. Even if you don't like it, at least it's there. <laughs> it's, it's, it's only a quid. But a sort of generally, I like to ask about, like, you know, would you like to see more, a sequel, that sort of thing? But this is, I I don't know how you feel. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. Would, I mean, would you have liked to see, I mean, obviously they made the TV series and the two specials. Yeah, I think I, the TV. I think the TV series is the perfect format for that to carry on. I'd still, I'd still really love to seek that out and watch it, um, because I think the TV series, like you know, fifteen twenty minutes of the kind of real frantic action you get from this series, is probably just the kind of slices that you need. And in many ways, this whole film exists in kind of fifteen twenty minute segments anyway. Yeah. So I think this I think the series is the perfect format for it to um is the perfect format for it to live in. Yeah, because I think it's I want to say 12 or 20 episodes, I can't remember. I did obviously I looked on Wikipedia and the various things. I know there is the Blu-ray with the TV series, the specials and this movie on. Um which I think some of that is English dub. I don't know if they actually English dubbed the film on the Blu-ray as well. But it's an importing job. It's uh, slightly more expensive. You potentially get stung on the other end 
with it coming into the country. So of course, yeah, it's, it's, it's the roll of the dice. It's like it's not Thank bad, but then if I got to pay twenty quid to get it out of customs. Yeah, thanks a lot, politics. Remember when I could get, <laughs> remember when I could get a DVD without doing this? I used to import so many DVDs back when Play.com, the early days of Play.com, when they used oh. to sell discs from America. I imported yeah. so many discs. Good old Play.com, and then they changed. Like it didn't stop existing. It became uh, a far less catchy, like Routken. Yeah, Rakuten or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, I was like, well, the very fact I can't say it properly would indicate its level of of, of memorability. HMV um, could have bought Play.com. They had the choice between that and Waterstones, and they bought Waterstones instead because they didn't think there was any future in the internet. Oh, fools! I know. They bollocks that writer. <laughs> yeah. I can say that now because I don't work for them. <laughs> but it was that whole short-sighted thing of brick and mortar shots, wasn't it? Of like this internet thing is a fad. Yeah, don't worry. We're in a golden age that will never end. People would never want to stop coming into us. It's, we definitely uh, people won't, people will definitely not start uh not uh just come here to look for things that they are then going to go on and order from the internet stand in this shop with their mobile computers literally ordering, ordering it in front of you yeah i can get it for half of this over here i was a big one for um i was a big one for the days of, a, of an hmv three for a tenner three for 15 quid deal yeah there have, there have been many a times where i've wanted just two films from there and i've got a third one Back in the glory days of the HMV's Christmas sale, I used to leave with like the massive console size bags, just stuffed with DVDs and CDs. Yeah. I, I was terrible for that. And when, once I started working there with the discount as well, it's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> oh, I used to be bad. Uh, I worked not at HMV. I spent like my early early twenties just after I finished uni. I did like a year or so. I was full time at game. To get a thirty percent discount working at games. Yeah. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> yeah. It was the same thirty percent at H and V. So it's like, well yeah, I mean that is fifteen quid, but it's ten pound fifty with my discount and that's infinitely better. <laughs> it's cheap as free. That's it. It's like they're giving it away. <laughs> but yeah, my, my wife was not keen on that logic. So <laughs> Fortunately, oh, I was, well. I've saved an infinite amount of money by not being there anymore, weirdly. Yeah, yeah. in many ways, getting a different job has saved you money. Well, yeah, well, yeah. when you're not seeing the new releases every week and going, eh, I'll take a punt on that. Because <laughs> it's cheaper with my discount. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but, I mean, I think we've sort of covered a town called Panic, unless you've got anything you wanted to... No, uh, I think that's all I, I think that's... All I need is that you've got the the main I, bits. I think it's safe to say you'd recommend the film. So. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, yeah, everyone. If you haven't done it already, get on it. Like I, say, I'm, I imagine it is, like you say, it's on Amazon, so you can get it, rent it or buy it digitally, and it is still available to get on DVD at a reasonable price as well. I think it's about yeah. five or six quid at the moment. So I think I've just been looking up. Yeah, you can get it on DVD for less than a fiver. Um, all sorts. I'm also looking the pound, a town called Panic, the collection. Yeah, it is indeed. It's available free postage on this one, but it is a US import. And I don't know what the deal is with region coding on Blu-rays. I'm not sure. I think it has to be an A, B and C to play everywhere. Well, 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 this is a region A. Gonna 
favourite this into my watch list and see if I decide to buy it later. Uh, I might. A, I think, is only America. Oh, those dogs. I, I think we're B. I used to, I used to know it for DVDs. I'm a bit yeah, more we were muddly on Because yeah. a lot of the early Blu-rays were A, B and C. So you had all three on there, so you were covered. Um, and then it started to get a bit more dicey. Um, Damn you, region coding. Uh, I, th- I think region-free Blu-rays are fair, actually players are fairly easy and cheap to get hold of now, but it's having another unit in your house to play things on. Just want to be able to put it in the old PlayStation or whatever and have it just work. Like I said, I'm pretty sure it was Ardman released the Town Called Panic collection. So I'm not sure why it's not available over here, other than possibly the film didn't reach the audience. But again, I think if they put the film with an English language dub and stuck it on Channel 4 over Christmas, yeah. or that Easter weekend when everybody's just, whatever's on telly is what we're watching, I reckon it'd yeah. reach a much bigger audience. Yeah, they should get, uh, it should really get a bigger audience. Well, I've got my work out, and I'm going to find a region-appropriate version of that disc if it kills me. I want to find some clips of an English dub. I'm really curious about it now. Yeah, you've, I'd say I'm always going to like have memories of the French version, and that's probably one I'm always going to watch, but I do want to see what other accents they throw in there, bearing in mind the first one I heard is a Brummie accent. It's like the Ghibli films. I like having the original language, but I also like having the English language so I can actually watch the film rather than... Because the trouble with subtitles is that you are focused on the subtitles, so you miss a lot in the film. Yeah, you're right. You're going to so, have to... At a certain point, read. you have to be like, I have to watch this without reading and just it makes no sense and then i'll watch it and read so a dub, you, like, the dub is quite nice sometimes but dubbing is it's it's not like it used to be when i think of dubbing my first instinct is to oh, remember 70s kung fu movies oh i used to watch a lot of the 70s like godzilla movies yeah um, they used to be on channel four late at night and mom used to let me stay up and watch them um so when i read when i immediately think of dubbing what i think of is Roxanne and Jet Jaguar programming himself to grow so he could double team with, uh, <laughs> with Godzilla against Megalon and Gigan in one of my favourite Godzilla movies of all time. If we ever want to talk about Godzilla movies, I will come back in a heartbeat to talk about that movie. But um, but yeah, nowadays, um, dubbing isn't too bad at all. Um, no, do, the, the only place it seems not bad there. still is car adverts. Oh yeah, and, Still and Barry shockingly and, bad car dubbing car Scott. adverts. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we um, dumped this Barry's car here. Oh, I I was all I was all about him, but apparently he is. Uh, you know, I thought Barry Scott was just a man, possibly the inventor of Silit Bang, but then I saw that he was played by other people in other countries. So <laughs> <laughs> Barry Scott's like Santa Claus. There's one real one. The rest are just his assistants. Um, yeah. if you don't see the if you don't see the original one but yeah i i watched um i watched squid games dubbed because that's what it automated to and i didn't bother to change it um and it was fine i think i think the i think the dubbing was perfectly acceptable it was acted rather than just spoken it's not like ps2 era games that are just the voice acting into other languages has not been great um i watched a polish horror movie called no one sleeps in the woods tonight the other day um that was that was dubbed because my polish is worse than my french um and it's perfectly good it's perfectly fine it's generally a certain pretentious kind of person that is like oh you've watched the dub oh, dear. 
Yeah. It's like, yes, I did. Fuck off. Because <laughs> I can read, but, you know, sometimes I need my eyes for other things because multitasking is the only way that I'm going to get through all this. That's it. It's like, plus I want to enjoy the visuals, so I'll watch the dub and then I will go back and watch it in its original English language and find out that what they said in the dub is completely different to what they've got in the subtitle. <laughs> and to be fair as well, they talk about the accuracy and things. Subtitles are as possible of, be, of being inaccurate as 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 any dubbing is. Yes, yeah. I get it that with dubbing they try to match the mouth movement, so you might make a change to, you know, for the brevity of what you're saying or the length of the time that you have to speak, but, you know, the, whatever you want to do. Maybe they'll make some more artistic choices with dubbing versus subtitles, but it's not foolproof if you if you really want to be wanky about this and you want the exact experience, learn the language that it's in, and yeah. then you'll have an awfully long time to do. It'll take you an awfully long time to do that if you're going to watch every single film. That's when you want to up one up them, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, you exactly. watch the dub, do you? It's like, actually no, I, I don't do either. I learned the language. Just, just speak that language. And actually, oddly enough, those two, the two films we just, I just used as examples. Both countries I lived in, I just don't speak the languages particularly well because Korean's very interesting and I can follow a little, but I could never do an entire series in it. I could, yeah, I can make polite conversation. And the same in the same in Poland. I lived with, lived in, I lived there for a while, and I can order in a restaurant. I can speak to a taxi driver and get drinks and stuff. But I couldn't, I couldn't follow the complexities of a, of an entire story and uh and and get through that so subs or dubs are the way to go i mean to be fair i've lived in england all my life and i struggle to follow an english conversation sometimes <laughs> yeah exactly many would argue i struggle to uh, put forward an english conversation as well <laughs> <laughs> if only there was dubbing available for that <laughs> anyway on that bombshell <laughs> Um, I like to end these with uh, first-time guests with the Bernard Pivo questions made famous by Inside the Actors Studio. Uh, if you don't mind answering 10 quick-fire questions. Of course. Cracking. Right then, question one. What is your favourite word? Oh, that could change by the time of day. Um, don't read anything into this, but I love immolate. Cool. That has never come up before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, what is your least favourite word? Um, an old colleague inspired me with this one um, by by her hatred for it. I've never thought of it, but she's infected me with it. So thanks, Hannah. Um, Lamange is not a good word. <laughs> it is no. it is spelt weirdly, and it sounds and is spelt like like how it tastes. <laughs> <laughs> no good. No. That's and topical. It's a. I imagine it's a French word. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah blank man. Suddenly, word I was going to go all George Bush. Yeah. But the trouble is, the French they've got no word for entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what turns you on creatively, or however you choose to interpret? Um. Yeah. I mean. Again, I, I think seeing really exciting stories and seeing stories that excite me get me interested to create things of my own. So seeing something that's very 
different or really captures a new way of telling a story and it could be anything it could be the technique you use it could be the stories that you're telling you know the subject matter of the story it could be a setting that you use I, I get really inspired by things to go and create something of my own let's you know we'll use an example like in many ways you look at things like Blair Witch that really kicked off the, yeah. the found footage thing seeing something which is just a new way of delivering a story that gets me excited to go and do stuff and where we work on um some of the work I do on podcasts today like it can be as simple as hearing a theme or hearing one of you know someone else tell a really good story it gets that creativity going think yeah I'm going to go and do something I'm going to go and write a, I'm going to go and create something of my own and seeing people I know creating things as well it's uh really inspiring stuff yeah that was always the thing for cons for me yeah. Even before I started running one, just the amount of creativity, creativity in one space to yeah, not come away, a... even thinking, even if you never actually do anything, even starting to think of your own ideas for comics. It's just, yeah, being around, it. being around it is really infectious. For sure. you, you can't not soak up some of it, even if you don't ever do anything with it. Like I say, it's just an amazing thing. But um, what turns you off? Oh now getting getting on in the years so plenty of things annoy <laughs> me or 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 turn me off let's not get yeah actually yeah we'll 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 swing for it like i don't like very very topically um right now i won't go into the specifics of things like nfts and so on what really turns me off is the narrative of today in fact that we see things like uh, the CEO of Ubisoft saying, hey, uh, yeah, we have loads of really good ideas for marketing these these NFTs, which environmental or pyramid schemes aside, I find aggressively boring. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's We have a really good idea for these things and our audience aren't responding to them because we don't get them. That kind of absolute hubris is what turns me off and makes me grind my teeth because it's the classic you know the Seymour Skinner no it is the children that are wrong like yeah <laughs> people aren't resonating it's not that we don't understand them it's that either it is a shit idea or you are not doing it well <laughs> um, and that be that that's what gets me and really really gets my uh gets my go and as I think we talked very briefly before we uh started recording in the world of podcasting and the likes as well um these established media types coming into our little independent space <laughs> and saying yeah i know i'm on the tv every week but now listen to my podcast it, it is such a frustrating thing because like you say this is sort of our little niche to get our voice out and we can't compete with like I say, people who are already doing podcasts before we all jumped on, fair enough. But we can't compete with, like, you know, Brad Pitt suddenly starting a film podcast. Yeah. If Brad Pitt well, was like, I'm going to do a film podcast where somebody comes on and talks about a film they love. Well, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, if, if Brad Pitt is out there with every one of the celebrity mates in the Rolodex turning up, plus a production and marketing budget, you know, meaning that they're, you know, meaning that, they can advertise on every other podcast as well. I mean, it gets me sometimes if I ever listen back to uh, one of the shows that we do and it's like, 
oh hey Ed Gamble on the ad roll before my <laughs> before my small like independent podcast. How are you doing advertising your thing? Jesse Ware and a mum are on again. There, there is the chat about so, Jesse Ware and a mum sponsored by Sainsbury's. I'm like, geez, Louise, give me a chance. Uh, it reminds yeah, so, me of that story of that couple that set up a podcast in the library and expected instantly to have like Casper mattresses knocking on their door, yeah. Blue Chew, and whatever the other seems the ones that seem to be on every single podcast these days. We got, we got. So you like a comfy bed, but you can't get an erection. Casper mattresses <laughs> and Blue Chew. Casper mattresses, Blue Chew. Yeah, got none of those guys knocking on uh, knocking on my door. And you know what? Don't mind if they do. I wouldn't. I think as we spoke spoke about earlier, wouldn't mind if Mr. Kipling wants me to sell some cakes or something like. If Domino's want want to get on board, and I feel like that's a product I can get behind. Oh yeah, if it's something I use, I'm more than happy to. Yeah. It's like me undies want to start sending me free pants. I'll wear them. Yeah, I'll wear them and I'll tell I'll tell like, people that they're good the same. I will tell I will tell the folk. You know what, Domino's. I'll give you this one for free. My wife's veggie and half and half aren't a thing right now. While while apparently because COVID, I don't know why. But um, so you, they got a uh, they got like a veggie substitute for pepperoni now. You know what? Dead good, brilliant. Yeah. I had to double check there hadn't been a mistake and we weren't just <laughs> chowing down on some actual pepperoni. It's brilliant. That, that'll be the scandal in a couple of years' time. It's like, be the horse meat scandal all over uh, again. <laughs> oh, you, you, went, you, you didn't go as hard as, oh, made out of people. Oh, well. well yeah, it's soil and green. <laughs> yeah, well, there's many ways. Uh, I think it was Frankie Boyle that said being a cannibal is the most uh, carbon reductive footprint reduction you can make because obviously if you eat a person you're reducing their carbon emissions as well yeah yeah so there you go but so is it like some science fiction horror movie thing where you then take on their carbon footprint no you've eliminated it you've done it <laughs> doing, doing, doing the lord's work we don't understand why he's got double the carbon footprint it's because like he power. eats people yeah. <laughs> You just have a super carbon footprint. You eat enough people, you it's like Highlander. So that's like the Highlander. That's what the quickening is. That's him (laughs) absorbing their carbon footprint. The prize is that you can destroy the earth with every step he takes. (laughs) Damn you, Christopher Lambert. (laughs) Or at the very least, a film franchise that didn't need to be a franchise. Another one that could have been just a one film. (laughs) It's literally the tagline is there can be only one. It's like no, we're going to make five, and a TV there, series. There a can be a, there can be only one, but there will not be. <laughs> we choose not to. <laughs> um, what sound or noise do you love? Oh, now that is that's another good one. Um, I tell you what, over the years, some very fond memories, and you know you'll get this as well. Working media, like lots of machines, particularly game consoles, have excellent startup noises. Yeah. I would give, I think there's one generation that has the best of them all, and that's probably, I don't know what generation number it is now, but I would say kind of the the PS2 original Xbox GameCube era of consoles have the best startup noises. The GameCube yeah. one is super jaunty and fun. The PlayStation one it has like the elegant, the, the like those chimes that come on, the 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 like like the chimes echoing throughout a space, 
and then the Xbox sounds like you're firing up a nuclear generator. <laughs> you used to put that first on. It's like that low rumble that goes. <laughs> those are the most fantastic noises. Over Christmas, I was watching one of those top twenty kids' toys, Christmas toys of all time things that Channel Five tends to put out every year. Yeah. And PlayStation was one of those, and it did the PlayStation startup noise. I was instantly back. Fucking. Those noises and like even some of the simple ones. We'll throw some more out there. When you like just a single tone when you turn on a Game Boy, such a satisfying little sound, and it is so tied to just hours of of fun. Should say the laughter of children or whatever, but no, that one. Those noises. Even weird things like the old Windows startup noise. Yeah. The modem dial-up noise. I miss that. I hated it oh. all the time. Yeah, yeah, those are great. Yeah, great, satisfying noises that take you back to a wonderful time. So the Jeopardy's gone now, whether you'll be able to connect to the internet or not, because pretty much straight away, <laughs> if your Wi-Fi is decent, yeah, you don't even get a noise telling you it's happening. It's you haven't even got to switch your internet on anymore. <laughs> Tell us you're old without telling us you're old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my internet used to make a sound. <laughs> <laughs> We probably lost a lot of people when we said you can buy this film on DVD. So. Yeah. Oh, I mean, uh, yeah. Sorry, guys. Video, home video cassette. <laughs> Got them back. It's fine. Uh, what sound or noise do you hate? Oh, that, probably even harder than a sound that I love because you. There's any number of. There's any number of classic noises that you hate, right? Like the. Like the nails on a chalkboard. I tell you what, though, one that is no end of frustration you know sometimes when you're driving in the car and you're you know you're trundling along somewhere and something in the car is rattling but you can't find out what it is so you're just touching your you you know you're driving you're doing like 70 on the motorway and you're trying to touch random bits of your car like some insane mind (laughs) to anyone that's looking that's coming the other way looking to try and find what it is that's rattling so you can stop it it's not an annoying noise in itself but it's a noise of great trauma but does it rattle when you actually take it to the mechanics to say there's a rattle in that? No, not at all. And, it's, it's, and when, if you can find out what it is and touch it, then it will stop. <laughs> yeah, we've worked out where the one is in my wife's car because every so often you're driving along, you'll just hear it go, Jack, punch the roof. <laughs> yeah, and then it stops. <laughs> stops for a little bit, then you hit a pothole or something and it starts again. <laughs> um, all right, then, the big one. Uh, what is your favourite curse word? Oh... I tell you what, maybe it's it's a sign that I live in in harsher times than we once did. For years, I would have told you it was just classic, you know, the vanilla of swear words. I would say fuck or motherfucker specifically. But now, big fan of cunt these days. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great. Maybe because we live in harsher times, and uh, you know, there's more cause to say it. And because, I was going to say, maybe because it fits so many people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't have de- dealt with, uh, not to get political, but with Boris Johnson on the TV every day for a year and a fucking half. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've said it. I've said it a lot more than I used to. <laughs> also, with not leaving the house, I guess, I haven't got to worry so much about swearing. <laughs> yeah. See, my wife made me stop watching game shows for a while. Because I'd be like watching... Tipping point or the chase or something. Like, this person is a right cunt. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, 
It's a tea time quiz. Just leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look yeah. at this guy. Doesn't even know what Egypt is. The idiot. <laughs> Absolutely. Or worse, the celebrity editions where I have to spend the first round going, what are they famous for? Who's that? Vaguely familiar. Gotta Google, gotta Google this person. It's worse on something like the weakest link when there's twelve of them. Who's oh, that? God. Who's that? I know that one. Who's that? Who's that? Who's that? I saw that it was back the other day. Yeah. Was it just a, just just for one? I've never no, painted you as a they, quiz they, show they, expert. Is it back forever to, or just for the day? <laughs> I think everyone's a quiz show expert because if you flip your telly on, it's a fucking quiz show. Yeah. Saturday nights now is all quiz shows, and then made, match of the day. I've made drinking games out of a few of them. Um, uh, you can you know share this with your, your listeners like um, in tipping point you drink every time someone says tipping point or if they use one of the other phrases so you can make it as complicated as you like so finish your drink if if there's a rider um, if anything doesn't need crabbing have a shot um, you'll be like dead that. for every time Ben Shepherd says you might get a bit of lateral yeah, a bit of lateral. Yeah, a bit of it's lateral. Like you clearly won't get a bit of lateral, Ben. There's fuck all else in that side of the machine. What is it going to go lateral against? Yeah. So you could. So that's a good one. So you. My thing with tipping point is that it's five percent game show, ninety-five percent Ben Shepherd mansplaining the game. <laughs> yeah. So you've been on for nearly a decade now, Ben. I get it. <laughs> I've also been to a pier. <laughs> it was only that I put it on a woman that used to work at my office was on. Good old Sophie. She was on tipping point there. Um, uh, somebody I made a film with was on one and John Late was on an episode as well oh really I, I think I've seen John on Tipping Point actually yes. yeah he popped up on it again recently they repeated it because um, I sent him a message I was like I was having a nice afternoon and look what happened look at this now you're the on. thing is though if you're ever on Tipping Point or any game show don't go on Twitter they are merciless against it oh you're always always giving people shit yeah it's, apart it's from that absolute... one time when that woman on the chase Jill she did it on her own. Bless her. Was that the one that had like 97 grand or something? Yeah, she had loads of money on her own against Jenny. Yeah, and she did it. What a champ. Oh. Um, and the other quiz show, if you want to play... I like to think that in the back of her mind, she's like, should I share a little bit with the other contestants? Nah, fuck them. Nah, got her. <laughs> should have been here in the final. But yeah, if you want to break from... If you want to... If you're... You know, if ITV is banned in your house, so you can't watch Tipping Point. Um, or if you just want a simpler game... Um, you can play Drinking Pointless. <laughs> where You can win big money on Pointless. You can oh, win wait. hundreds of pounds. <laughs> in, in this game, in the drinking version of Pointless, you actually drink more if they do better. Because basically, you know, when the, you know when the counter is going down, when they make the guess, you have to yeah. drink for the amount of time it's going down. See, the so thing that always concerns me with Pointless is when it's like an obvious thing. And it's like you suddenly start to worry that there's that many people in the world that didn't know that London was the capital of England or something. Yeah, and it's got like a really low score. Like, who are you asking? <laughs> and then again, we don't know who these, you know, you give those 100 people 100 seconds. You don't know, like, some of them might not speak English or, or follow the question. <laughs> they might, just well, they might, they might yeah. panic. Yeah. Yeah, lots of people that are totally just panicked. It's like I'm a yeah. massive Springsteen fan, but if I was on Popmaster at like 3 in 10 for Springsteen, I'd be like, ah. Blown it. It's anytime anybody asks you to prove your fandom, that's when your mind goes blank. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, with, some, and with some fandoms, you know, well, actually not, not so bad for us as, you know, 
lots of lots of comic and sci-fi properties people will probably just accept us from our demographic as being fans difficult to be lots of others you get those quizzes all the time well if we've learned anything from recent fandom you're not a real fan unless you 100% agree with the opinion of the person that's just thrown at you yeah exactly like a, I'm not a Superman fan because I didn't like what Snyder did with the character. <laughs> it's like fine, whatever. Oh no, well we're 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 both we're both we're both fine there. And I think you know while we're throwing these hot opinions out, a tragedy because I think Henry Cavill is an excellent Superman. Yeah, by the end of it, I was like, he really isn't he, as terrible as Justice League was. By the end of it, I was like, he's finally Superman. And it's like it's been squandered. I, I like I like in the original I like in the original cut how he's nice Superman at the end, and I like it when he turns up in the original cut and just absolutely hammers old uh, what's his chops. Yeah, because is it the original cut with the excuse me, ma'am? Is this man bothering you? Yes, it is. I that love was that. There's two bits in that original cut that I really I loved. I loved that, and I loved the I mean we talked about it on the Snyder spoiler one, but um I loved the Batman to the Flash just save one person. Yeah. Which everybody yeah, like, derided, and I was like, no, that's perfect. That is so Batman. Yeah. I, 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 I liked those bits and the Superman bit's probably my favourite bit of the movie. They've all been yeah. fighting and then nice, happy, colourful Superman turns up at the end and just annihilates that bad the bad man. And I haven't watched the Snyder Cut yet because if I struggle to find three hours for you know, two and a half hours for a film that I'm really desperate to see. Can I find four hours for what I've already seen yeah. once? I, I mean, I've said it on the spoiler one. It's fine. It's not the masterpiece everybody heralds it to be or the lost masterpiece everybody claimed it would be. Um, it's just, it's fine. I'm very <laughs> quick to say that I'm not... It's the I'm, same. Yeah, very quick to say that I'm not a, a, a Zack Snyder hater. I, I like Watchmen and I like um, I like his Dawn of the Dead remake very well. Um, yeah. But just... I like that people like what he did. That is absolutely fine. It's yeah. just there was a weird toxic venom. Yeah. And I'm not saying it was all the Snyder Bros, but there was a particular batch that particularly female film critics or people that females that reported on it or commented on it, they piled onto in a horrible way. Yeah. I was like, dude, none of you understand Superman from the way you're acting. Yeah. And that and that's the that's the big problem with fandoms right now i guess but yeah but they're, like they're not fans so, it's just they're the online equivalent of football yobs that don't care about football they just want an excuse to fight that's, that's all it is but anyway these quick fire questions never go quick fire by the way no, that's okay <laughs> we're doing all right though what profession other than your own would you like to attempt um i would like to um i would like to be oh, loophole i could be uh, a beloved well-known established celebrity that also has a podcast um cool. you could be that guy on the celebrity chase that i'm like yeah Spons- <laughs> sponsored by sainsbury no actually i think what i'd like to do is another profession i would love to be a very specifically this point in the career i would love to be a like a beloved well-known comedian that then gets to do a travel program with my mom that'd be good yeah i'd like I don't think to, that's been done so yeah I, what i do so i'd be a beloved you know comedian well known for x y and z and all these great tools been on mock the week for fucking ever um 
and then I'd go around America with my mom, seeing what the best pizza was, maybe around New York to find the best slice of pizza. That's what I'd do. Nice. That'd be that'd be my that'd be my career. If you need a real answer, um, a scientist. Because actually, when I was a kid, I didn't take science as a as a thing. But actually, science dead interesting. Do some more science. Be a scienceman. Yeah, I, science fascinates me. I just don't have the brain to follow it, if that makes sense. So I love reading about science and I love watching things with scientists being very smart and me going, this is amazing. I'm not understanding a word you're saying, but this is amazing. Yeah. See, that's that's great. And I'd love to do I think the problem is that when you choose your options and what you're going to study at and when you're doing these important things at school, you're a kid and therefore an idiot. Yes. Like what would be really good is if you could choose this cool stuff that you could study when you're an adult and you could sensibly study it. That's it. As a kid, couldn't give a fuck about history. As an adult, fascinated by it. History's great, yeah. Brilliant. But it's that thing, isn't it? Um, part of me does think, even as an adult, if somebody went, right, today we're going to sit down and learn history, I'd be like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Not history, boo. It's like, I liked it because I was doing it off my own back. Now you're forcing me. It's shit. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I could be like, today we're going to learn about the history of comics. I'm like, oh, I hate comics. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, like, really? Because you've got a shitload of them. It's like, yeah, <laughs> no. but you've that's ruined when, it. That's when it wasn't school. Stop blue petering this. You're making it into more school. It's the equivalent of your dad walking past a room and you're listening to music and going, hey, this is all right. Like, oh, yeah. shit. Like, oh, <laughs> Sorry, Jason Donovan. <laughs> <laughs> Tear his poster down. <laughs> Got ten good reasons for this. <laughs> uh, what profession would you not like to do? Um, one of those real hard ones. Work in a foundry or a sulphur mine, or um. Or be that guy who is in a horror film and like his job is to inspect the sewers dead at night before he gets killed. Yeah. With, with the flashlight that blinks on and off. Yeah. Someone who hasn't even got a good flashlight, but he has to do the night shift because he's got a wife and kids to support. And she's phoning him even when he's underground so he can like say goodnight to the kids before he gets eaten by some <laughs> big rat monster. Giant you, cockroach. And you know he's not going to get his life insurance payout because they'll just claim he didn't have the proper equipment to do the job, so he shouldn't have been doing it. Yeah, exactly. He's had a, he had a faulty torch. That's the sure. movie I want to see, is the heartbreaking battle of the wife to try and get his life insurance money. Yeah. Because he had a blinking torch. <laughs> oh, you've inspired me. Question, you know, back to question three. That's inspired me. I might write that story. <laughs> About the plucky lawyer that took the case. It's like, have you ever seen the film Buried? The Ryan Reynolds one. As I say, is that the Ryan Reynolds one? Yes, I have. The, the bit at the end of that where the company ring him and then trick him into saying something so that they can fire him yeah. so that they're no longer liable for covering. Ha, you're fired. See you later. Oh, those dogs. That's one of those films I'm really glad I've seen it, but I've got no desire to ever watch it again. <laughs> I mean, that's one film, and that, one, that one's particularly traumatic as well to go through yeah you're right there's a number of films like that have you ever seen uh, 127 hours yes absolutely fantastic do i want to watch it again no because i found it physically painful the way <laughs> they got those in those little string scores these 
hacking his arm off. Yeah. Like. Um, and other films that are totally, totally great, like, you know, films that I hold up as some of the great pieces of cinema. Gladiator is a great film. Do I need to see it again? Probably not. It's Million Dollar Baby is the other one for me. But that film was amazing. I never want to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, see you later. <laughs> All right, then. Last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Um, thank me you're here. Um, you know, we're, we, we need your help desperately. Then he throws me a shotgun. And then we... <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah, and then we kick those gates in and then deal with whatever trauma is going on there, I guess. There's a comic. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the heaven equivalent army of darkness it's like welcome back to the land of the living now start digging yeah <laughs> yeah that's it that's the ones awesome <laughs> cracking well cheers for that man i really enjoyed that so. yeah that was that was lots of fun good to good to catch up hopefully it won't be quite so many years before we get to do it again yes yeah it's uh fingers crossed and everything but yeah um so where can people find you online and what should they be looking out for podcasts well you can find me every week on a wednesday on the horror hangout podcast um where myself and the other two original hosts who i joined a couple of years into their run uh, so luke condor and ben errington all big horror fans we all write on something else that i will cover shortly uh, we go through the best and worst horror movies of all time and we talk about them. We have we have guests on. We cover the, the new releases, the old classics. Um, come and join us every week. It is fairly irreverent stuff. If you're looking for serious critical analysis, um, maybe check elsewhere. But if you want to have a <laughs> lo- lovely chat with your favourite spooky boys about... Um, kind of bizarre asides i'm I'm glad you were comfortable with asides because we get a fair few um, uh, yeah i live for asides yeah we love it you know and i will say that i think you probably get some analysis and discussion that you don't get anywhere else um for example when we did spiral the book of saw i managed to draw the parallel between the selfish detective that chris rock played and zippy from rainbow he is the zippy of um of, of crime investigation in a, in a violent and dangerous world um he just doesn't want to share that that investigation he's not a good sharer um is chris rock in that film but yeah we we, could, we talk a horror movie every week around there we've been doing the show for just over 200 episodes now we um do a trivia episode that ever that goes down um very well every so often as well where we get another podcast on and have uh, have a little horror trivia match with them so that's always fun and then I also work on um, with those, those same group of people and a few others. Uh, the big group of them all together, the production company is called Hawk and Cleaver. We work on another podcast called The Other Stories as well, where every week a uh, writer narrator team does a short um, bit of horror, sci-fi, general sort of Twilight Zone vibe uh, audio fiction for you, which has been fully produced by the awesome production team over there. Uh, new story every week as i say every monday an episode of the other stories drops um i will occasionally write for them as will luke and ben and many other many other horror writers all over there if you're a writer yourself there are open open submission calls all the time so if you've got a short horror story in you check out their website 
um, you know, just search Hawk and Cleaver and you'll find it. They will show you the themes that are open for submissions right now. Throw something in, get involved. We do not bias ourselves towards how well known you are. If it is a good story, it will get picked up. Um, yeah, so that's fun. And I mostly have worked with them on the Halloween episodes for the last few years. So if longer form is more your thing, we have five episode runs over the well, five to seven episode runs over the last few years. We did um, something called The Nest that has like an 80s vibe to it a couple of years ago. Um, two years ago, we did um, something called The Halloween Horrors of Old Mill Lane, who I got to work with. Emily Boothon, which was great to do some of the narration for. And then last year we did The Witching Hour, which is another kind of interconnected story. But yeah, that's where you can find me mostly. I'm most active on Twitter. You can find me at, at AndyCTWrites. Awesome. And um, you said you've got another anthology yes, in the world. In the world of comics. So yeah, you can check me out at Horde Comics where you can find um our comic anthology we put out previously a few years ago. Uh, I work with my friend Chris who's also done two episodes of his supernatural um thriller um The Revenant and we have the second horror anthology in production now. So the art is literally um being worked on by a couple of artists at the minute. So I hope to get that one out this year. Awesome cool well, cheers again for doing that man i'll um put all the links in the show notes um so people will hopefully be able to work that out and find out where you are and um yeah cheers for coming on and talking time called panic and uh yeah really enjoyed it and like i say thanks for giving me the excuse uh, to watch the film again no uh thank you for giving me an excuse to come and talk about the film obviously we only really get to talk about horror stuff so it's been yeah. good to do it you may hear the dog starting to woof at me so i'd better go and see to him he probably wants out Awesome. Yeah, you better sort that quick. <laughs> yeah. Especially cheers, Andy. no one else until that man. Yeah, cheers, man. See you soon. See ya. Bye. Bye for now. And that was a town called Panic. I'd like to thank Andy for coming on the episode and talking about the film with me. Uh, I really enjoyed chatting with him. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Um, if you did enjoy the episode and you can be bothered, please give it the episode a share or a like or subscribe or whatever else uh, and tell your friends to check it out. Or don't, it's up to you. I don't mind. You can join us again back here in two weeks for another movie chat. I'm not sure what it's going to be yet. I've um, got a couple of things lined up, so it's whichever one falls into place first. And until then, thanks for listening, and please, don't panic. Bye. Bye.